Welcome to Bitverse Byte, a weekly podcast about the web industry, tools and techniques upcoming and in use today. My name is Adam Listek, a web developer from Northern California and Central Illinois. If you'd like to help support this show, please tap the link in this episode's description if you're using the Anchor application, or visit anchor.fm slash bit v byte to become a monthly supporter. Thank you so much. Getting into some news, a couple things came about. There was an interesting case where Facebook removed all cross-posted posts from Twitter after the app was removed. So what happened was Twitter removed their app and Facebook due to these cross-posting changes done by Facebook as kind of part of their policy. So all previously posted content that had been cross-posted from Twitter to Facebook appeared to be gone from existing Facebook users. This all apparently took Facebook by surprise, and at the moment for this recording, the content hadn't been restored, and it wasn't entirely clear if it can be. What was interesting about this case, and I think somewhat illustrates uh, some potential problems down the road, is all of these interlinked services. When policy changes occur on one, it can dramatically affect that on you know, another service. And it's not always clear if all of this is done in, you know, everything's done in a business interest. So it's not always going to be beneficial or helpful for the end user. This is just something to keep in mind as you're using these services and you might have cross-connected a number of them. You just never know what can happen. A good article came out uh, by the Team Blind uh, on their blog, but it was a study about 91% of these tech employees that they surveyed experience burnout. And it is something that I've uh, talked about before. I've experienced myself as many others in the industry have. Uh, but what was interesting about this survey was uh, it was the main cause stated was usually poor leadership and unclear direction. But as many of the articles that may have reposted this uh, kind of made mention of was the fact that, you know, this was a leading cause. But if you actually looked at how things broke down, it was only a bit more than 20% on average of respondents actually saying it was a leading cause. So it was only number one by a little bit, and it was pretty evenly divided amongst a number of other reasons. And so it was done in August with around 9,100 respondents, and many of them were from the major tech companies, say Google, Apple, Microsoft, and those kind. So it was a pretty good look into kind of how their employees are, you know, seeing the companies, responding. You know, what's interesting about it, too, is that none of the responses are out of the norm. None of them are not expected in many of the industries and mostly in the tech industry where of course if you don't have clear leadership or direction you're going to feel like you're what you're doing isn't as worthwhile you don't really know what end goal you're going to so it, it can affect you but it was a good uh, good survey and an interesting study to kind of pay attention to so following uh, the recent news articles about Verizon having throttled several fire departments uh, during emergency operations when they had a quote-unquote unlimited plan, they have said that they will remove all the data caps on any unlimited plans for a public safety customer. 
they've repeatedly said that it's a customer service issue rather than a net neutrality one, which most uh, departments or public safety places, especially in California where this mostly originated, uh, have pushed back on that, saying that for the most part, there wouldn't have been these types of rate limiting and uh, caps on a, if you did have a true unlimited plan, and how can you call it that uh, with the expectation that you know these types of services wouldn't be limited. So it'll be an interesting battle and setup, especially now that California is just passing the strongest net neutrality laws that a state has ever uh, put forth and stronger even than what the uh, U.S. had up until it was repealed. Uh, but it will be an interesting kind of look into where that argument goes. Verizon clearly felt they were losing the public, uh, you know, battle, uh, public perception battle on this one, especially because when you're throttling public safety folks, doesn't really look that good. So good for them for recognizing that they need to do something about the situation and take those caps off. They sure wouldn't have if there hadn't been a public outcry on it. So it's not like this was an altruistic move, but you know, at least it got the job done, I suppose. Uh, but I'm sure that it will be attempted to be re-implemented in the future at some point. Moving on to some links and resources that I found of interest over the uh, past week or so. Um, there's a cool little uh, app that somebody created called the Icon Transition Generator. So basically, if you have two SVG icons and you want to generate a transition between them, like morph into each other, uh, this tool will kind of let you upload those two different SVG icons and download a resulting SVG consisting of the two icons and some of the JavaScript code to animate between them kind of a cool little app uh, that was created and useful if you have that specific use case. Uh, check it out. A book by Matthew Butterick, I hope I pronounced that right, called Practical Typography, and it had some really common sense and useful typographic lessons and conventions. It's all online with no PDF or even a need to purchase, but it is reader supported, so if you do find value in the book, you should certainly go ahead and purchase it. It's got some really great practical advice and easy-to-read lessons for a lot of those common typographic issues. And it's not overly verbose. It doesn't have too much uh, minutia about these, and it's just very practical, hence the name. And then finally, kind of hitting on that typography point, um, there's a, a site called type.io, T-Y-P.io, and it's about fonts that go together. So it's a really cool site that lists these font combinations that are interesting or work well together. Sometimes it can be a real challenge to find the right combination of font families that work together, and this site can hopefully give you some good ideas. So finally, I want to talk about uh, customer service this week, uh, something that's come up recently for me and in discussions. And I just kind of want to touch on a topic that I feel isn't talked about as much in the web design world. You know, mostly, as I feel, it's because it's not directly related to the actual creation of a site or a project, but almost always, especially as a freelancer or a small business owner, you will be interacting with your customers, and sometimes issues will come up. So how do you deal with those issues is really what is the most important part of ending a project uh, successfully or one that doesn't go well at all. 
most times it's the art of communicating, and that's really a balancing act, almost as if you're a tightrope walker, because you have to balance the right tone, the length of the conversation, the timeliness, to strike the right chord, you know, especially if you're doing a lot of communication over email. If you aren't accustomed to working in a customer-oriented field, this can be certainly a challenge as it takes time to develop and hone those skills. And in the case of web design and development, often what you are attempting to communicate are questions as to the requirements of a project or general questions in the midst of one if you have a problem or you need clarification. So what happens when, even after you believe you have hit the right you know, requirements and done a great job, the customer just doesn't like or feel the product or direction is what they ultimately wanted. And it can be tough because in this industry, you're often putting as much as your, of your creative self into a project, and it can be difficult to not take it personally when it doesn't exactly fit what the customer envisioned or wanted. One does really have to remember, though, that ultimately, you are working for them. They are trusting that you have the proper experience and ability to create the vision that they are seeing. And sometimes you do act to steer in a particular direction, you know, but this will be born out of your experiences and what you know does or doesn't generally work. But if they truly want, say, an animated under construction sign, well, that may be their prerogative. So what do you do in those types of cases? Well, you really should try to tease out exactly what they do or don't like about the product that you've presented. So say you've given them an uh, end result, and even after a conversation, it seemed like that was the way they wanted to go, but something just doesn't appear right or ultimately what they were feeling. So how do you figure out what that might be? Well, to do that, you really have to oftentimes kind of tease out what element or elements that seems to be sticking out to them as not ideal. And I think that a lot of it is small details that for whatever reason get blown up as not really what they were envisioning in their head. And of course, it's very difficult for anyone to kind of tease out what someone else is seeing, but that is part of the job to figure that kind of thing out. So really trying to narrow down what element or elements is causing that kind of disconnect is, is important. And maybe you don't always have to rework or do too much to the design if you can figure out, well, hey, maybe you don't like this button or the placement or maybe the font just needs to be a bit smaller. You know, it could all be like those kind of things. And you can have a conversation about it. Like, I know that sometimes folks will want a smaller font, but at the same time, like, how do you balance that with readability and people coming in? So there is kind of that, that act, and you can make good points on either side. Though, always kind of coming back to the fact that if you're working for someone, well, ultimately it is their product and their, uh, their result and something they have to live with as well. So you want to make sure that, you know, they're, they're happy with it. So what I personally strive to do, though I don't always hit the mark, is to really communicate exactly what I'm going to do and what questions I may have, often in list form. I'm trying to be very upfront about what I expect the cost and time to be, though that's always a challenge to estimate sometimes. But this is so there's no confusion. Make sure the customer knows that I will let them know if costs are expected to be exceeded. Usually doing all of that works really well. It sets clear expectation, acts as an overview of what the work product will end up being, and tries to dispel some of that confusion. 
But there are times that, despite all of that, there's still a conflict. And in those situations, the best you can do is try to make yourself a partner with the customer to really figure out and solve the problem. If both individuals are invested in the outcome, it's easier to work towards a solution. I always let the customer know that it's their site. I want them to be happy with it. So I will willingly work with them within reason. And it is that last part that can be tricky, is you don't want to end up in an infinite loop of revisions. So that's kind of where setting those clear expectations in the beginning help. And also try maybe to find out what small elements might be throwing off their acceptance of that final product. So in the end, customer service is hard, and every situation is different. It's a skill that is often learned under duress and in tough situations, and I, I firmly believe that everyone should at some point in their life have a job in the service industry, because it really does give you an appreciation for those skills, and it can lead to just much stronger interpersonal and customer service-oriented uh, type of skills. So I hope you enjoyed this. Follow this podcast on Twitter at BitVBite and Facebook at slash BitVBite. Thank you for listening, and please join us next week.